Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. I am your host, Scott Needham. I am a Amazon seller and a secret explorer. I'm really always looking for all the different ways to sell on Amazon to help you guys uh, figure out all the, the, the tricks that, like, that help you grow in sales and margin. And I am relentless in this. And today I brought in um, a guest, very unique in uh, his perspective, because he's going to know way more about the European marketplaces than anyone out there that I've met. So I've got Stefan Bugel, and he is uh, from marketplacedistry.com, where they are a distributor for brands on the European marketplace. Steph, hey, welcome. Thank you, thanks Scott. So uh, I'll just jump a little bit into your background. So you have thousands of products that you have uh, pushed on the, on the European marketplaces. Is that right? Yes, correct. So right now we are almost reaching 150,000 ASINs. And because we're active in all European countries, we should reach the 1 million product pages by the end of the year. That's crazy because um, one thing that's unique about the European uh, network or the marketplaces is there's uh, there's many of them and they all kind of matter in their own way. And so we've got like, you know, let me see if I could rattle them off all correctly. Uh, there's uh, there's the UK, Germany, uh, France, Italy, and Spain, and now the Netherlands. Is that right? Right. Uh, and a couple of weeks from now, Sweden will open and also Poland will open. We just started receiving the first purchase order for Sweden last week, so that shouldn't take too long anymore for, before they go live. They're building warehouses in Denmark. So right now we're only active in six countries, but within, uh, I think, two years we'll be active in, in 20. So Amazon is just getting started in Europe, creating a massive opportunity or yeah. risk. <laughs> so, well, let's see. Let's, uh, let's start off by talking about um, all these marketplaces and why it matters to execute in each individual one. Uh, I think a lot of people, a lot of people in the U.S., we're comfortable, you know, in in the U.S. marketplace, which is just one. Um, right. Why does why does someone need to to work with all of them? Well, I wouldn't advise you to work with all of them because uh, that often there are just one or two that do eight percent of of the revenue. So if you want to go live on a majority of marketplaces, it should be from a strategical reason. But in general, the biggest revenue maker still is Amazon. Next to that, the the quality of, for example, the data inside there is a big, big difference in it. So uh, if you look on the majority of the marketplaces, they are not providing any data insights like Amazon is doing. So what we always say is that Amazon should be your gateway because you have to, the, the, first of all, it's the biggest market. Uh, and the second of all, you have actually the, the opportunity to optimize your, your listings based on how people act on a marketplace. And that's, of course, totally different than looking through Google, for example. What uh, you are forced to, if you wouldn't start on Amazon, uh, you would, for example, start on a, on a smaller marketplace, then you would need to use wrong data to optimize your, your pages. So um, when you're in these marketplaces, uh, how much does it increase, say, uh, conversion or, 
sales when the customer knows that this is coming from its own country? It's it's massive uh, because in Europe, you know, it's you know every country has its own culture. Often cases, their own currency, own return address. Everything is focused on local. So it's crucial if you want to succeed that you have a local approach. Uh, there is no such thing as a European strategy. There must be a European approach, but you need to focus on every country individually with a local expert to be able to succeed, 100%. So um, what I really like about what you just said is Europe isn't just like easy. It's not like something you just like add on, like, hey, I've got like, you know, two or three hours extra in my week. Let me just throw on Europe on top of it. But that like it requires a significant amount of effort to, to jump in. Right. If you know, you're not going to win when you are, you, will, you won't be able to compete for the comp- towards the companies that are working on a professional level. So the majority of the people think, okay, I'm now active in Germany, let's go to the Netherlands, it's the neighbor country, but that is not the way you should, uh, you should approach it. It's really crucial upfront uh, that if you want to succeed, for example, if you want to reach 400 million consumers, that means that you need to go live in five countries. So then you're already talking about five different languages, So, but also different VET levels. So upfront, it's crucial that you understand the strategy, but also understand the local VET levels, because that will affect your net margin quite a lot. Well, let me let me just quickly explain. So you were saying the VAT levels, that's the value added tax that um, is the way that uh, Europe does kind of their sales tax. They actually have it uh, at the, the businesses pay that uh, for their products. Right. And that country right. countries countries have different VATs and that you need right. to like apply for one each there. So um, many right. of the that might be a, a new time hearing this, but it is a specific challenge to launching in one of these new uh, places. Right. If you're going to sell your product in every country for the same price, but there is maybe 50 percent difference in VAT level. Uh, and for example, uh, also the logisticals are, are different than shipping or in your own country or to another country. So uh, if you haven't, uh, let's say, calculated upfront what your variable cost would be, then uh, you're going to find out afterwards if it's going to be a profitable business or not. So you should have that knowledge upfront to make sure that you're going to be successful, let's say, profitable on a country level. Right. So. Um but you know, just like the U.S., the Prime badge still uh, represents a big thing to consumers, right? They care about it a lot. And right, it's all about customer experience. It's always about that, and for a big part, that's logistics. I'm going to order the product. I'm going to get it next day in house. I'm going to receive a track and trace, and the track and trace is from a company that I know. So what is, what is then crucial is that you have your products stored in a local warehouse, but by European law, from the moment you have it, for example, stored in Germany, you need to have a German VAT number. Resulting, if you want to work with Amazon and all the current countries, you need to have seven VAT numbers, but that also means seven VAT filings, et cetera. So that's, uh, it's, it's necessary uh, to make sure uh, that you actually have your products there and you're going to get that conversion ratio because of the primer button, for example. 
but yeah, it, it is an, uh, uh, let's say, a to-do that you need to organize. You cannot just say, I'm going to store it in the UK and then uh, ship it for, from Germany because people just won't order it because the delivery takes, takes too long. Ah, so that you're saying that sometimes like the European Fulfillment Network, where you're going from country to country, it has a longer shipping time to do that. Yeah, and right. Then, because and, and then you you lose, you're going to lose uh, some conversions there. Yeah, right. Because, you know, it, it, maybe I'm not that familiar with the, the USA market, but there are here so many different shipping companies. So European contracts doesn't mean it is just one European company. So that if that's different picker points, etc., creating of course a longer, a longer time. And especially with the Brexit coming up, you know, UK is going to be a totally different market. It's the same like Norway and Switzerland. It's going to be an export country, resulting, for example, you need to do seven invoices on a parcel to make sure you would fulfill according to the local needs. That's how, for example, works in Norway and Sweden. So you can imagine how, on the customs level, how much delay such shipments can, can cause. Right. So, I mean, we make this sound like it's a bunch of headaches, <laughs> like that we're making it sound like um, it's, a, it's so much more to consider. But what kind of opportunity is there? Like what kind of revenue, you know, say someone has uh, is able to jump in full time. I mean, we actually represent a brand that, uh, that is in every mar- Europe marketplace. But like what's the opportunity there? It's, it's easy. So there are 565 million online active buyers. That's double against the U.S. market. The active, uh, the average uh, spending is also higher than in the U.S. or anywhere else in the world. Eighty uh, percent of the market has access to, to marketplaces, so it's the let's say the biggest growth market. And now we are talking about Amazon only active in six countries and launching two uh, this year that we already know of. Next to next to that. Also, people in Europe, so people in the Netherlands, in Germany, in Italy, etc., also don't think on a European level, resulting that uh, a lot of, let's say, local market leaders are only local market leaders in a specific home country. So if you are actually going on a European level, then you have much more chance to succeed because at the end you have more resources, more reviews, more sales, etc., so a lot of loans maybe are big in Italy, but on a European level, they don't really matter. So if you have the budgets and you're willing to invest, you can actually become a market leader on a European level. Yeah, um, that's it's definitely how I, I think uh, many Americans um, can think of each European marketplace a little bit like how we treat Canada and Mexico. Um, my opinion of Canada, Mexico, there's actually real volume there. You can get sales. There's less competition, but it does require a little bit of extra expertise in, in getting your products there. Uh, I know that we sell, um, let me, let me get a number between Mexico and uh, Canada. We're doing about 50,000 in revenue every month. So close, close to half a million. It's, it's, um, it's, it's not a ton, but it's not nothing. And 
I know that there's actually more opportunity as uh, we try and focus in on that. So the opportunity in these other marketplaces is absolutely there. But um, I'm glad that I have stuff here to talk about that there are specific unique challenges. So what kind of advice would you give to someone that um, say they, they represent their own, uh, they have their own products and they want to get to Europe, but they just want fewer headaches. Um, right. Well, the first advice I say, you know, I'm, I'm also a marketplace. They are not a side project. They require different uh, skill sets. Uh, so don't try to find a UMP, an Amazon manager or marketplace manager, because they won't be able to understand everything on the, on the right level. Next to that, you have, of course, also the translations, etc. So my advice is to work with a local experienced partner uh, that has already the right infra infrastructure and is focused on building brands on marketplaces. Then you are 10 steps ahead, your investments are much smaller, and at the end, the chance of succeeding is also a bit higher. So, so you're talking about easily 10 people that you need to, to if you want to work on the European level, you need to set up a team of 10. So you can imagine what that kind of investments that, uh, that cost without actually knowing if it's going to be profitable or, or not. So, um, and uh, just to get actual real here, um, you do this yourself. You have marketplacedistry.com and you've launched uh, many, many brands. Um, I myself have an agency where we represent about, uh, about 40 brands uh, where we have, uh, uh, you know, where either we're managing their account or where they're, they're unique, they're, uh, they're only authorized uh, seller on Amazon. So um, what would you offer me? Like, I've got a few brands that I, I could like connect with you, uh, you know, tomorrow and say like, hey, this is a, I can show you these product pages. These are really successful. And what's the kind of European opportunity here? So uh, we have a little similar approach. So we act the, the, the chance what the brand want, wants. So what we can do, we can actually set up the account and manage it end to end. Uh, that means that you would get access to our complete team of, of specialists, uh, but actually it, only, it starts only at 2000 uh, euro per, per month. That's like $2,300 approximately. For that, we would be able to set up your own seller account or even vendor account when you have new products. So we do the complete end-to-end -end management, including import, uh, warehousing, and everything. The second option is if the person, the company doesn't want to have their own seller account, we would act as a distributor, creating a traditional B2B transaction for the supplier, and we would do, again, end-to-end -end, uh, management, but the sales would go through our seller or through our vendor account. Awesome. So the truth is, I didn't know this. I didn't know all of this uh, that Steph does uh, before jumping on the podcast with him. But um, I'm. I think there's some some real opportunity for uh, listeners if you want to to tackle this huge, uh, you know, network of marketplaces all over Europe, but uh, do it without. Um, needing such uh, expertise that like you, you can you can definitely uh, 
hire Steph and and I'm going to be talking like right after this, I'm going to talk with my brother uh, who manages our brands and, and see if we can't uh, find some that we, we can, we can start off with. Um, so let's hit one or two more ideas. Um, when you're talking about, you know, localizing a product to a country and getting those translations, what, um, how much effort is that? Well, uh, how our approach is that we work with locals. So actually, I started a company in the Netherlands and I moved to Tuscany, where our main office is. Because if you say, do you want to live and work in Tuscany, <laughs> people from all over the world are interested to, to join our company. So what we do is we have a German for the German market, a French for the French market. So in many cases, what we do is we do a training up front to learn a bit about the brand, what's different about the products, and then they go and let's say uh, gather all the, get the data that we have, and that would focus on the local market, including keyword research on, on country level. So that's that's our approach at least to to start uh, start listing the products. Okay, um, that's that's really helpful that you guys have um, those language translators. Um, have you ever engaged with like an outside translation service? Do those make sense or? Yeah, I, I, I've done it and I still, I'm still doing it left and right when you have certain peaks. So we work with a lot of freelancers over, over the years. I've been in the industry for, for 10 years, so I've seen, I've seen a lot. Uh, you know, make sure it, the quality is good. And my advice is if you're going to hire somebody, hire a second one to check the first one. And that's, that's no joke. I did it this week and I actually had to cancel my contract. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely true. Um, uh, Cause like, I mean, here's an example. I speak Spanish, but I would not trust myself to, understand, <laughs> to, 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 to be able to do copywriting uh, to sell in, in Spanish. Um, that would not be a great idea. And so, yeah, and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, the shitty thing is, of course, if you don't speak the language, you know, everything looks good, right? But it's, it's a, but a local is going to read it when not a fluently uh, experienced content writer has, has written it. They will 100% recognize it and, in the content. And, and consumers judge very harshly on small mistakes because. It's, it's yeah, like, if, it, it's like, if you make, I mean, we know this uh, because Americans, we actually get sold to, we get sold to by Chinese sellers a lot. And um, some of them are just really bad at uh, conveying, you know, their, their, the, the text in a way that we would understand. We just know that like, this is not natural English. Right. And that diminishes, that diminishes right there. The, our perception of that brand. We're like, okay, this is just a bottom of the barrel, you know, like not a high quality, not a lot of attention. And, um, Whereas, it's similarly here. Similar here. Yeah. You're going to get reviews that are just <laughs> funny because people like to say something funny about it. And the conversion rates is low, so that would affect right. the cost of well, ranking. And, and, and on a funny perspective, I've always heard that France is like the most, per, that they're so particular about French. And that if, you, if, you, if you're a foreigner and you get things wrong, they'll let you know. Uh, France are uh, not the most popular uh, people uh, from, from that perspective. Even <laughs> if you would go to, to Paris and you would have a lunch near the Eiffel Tower, and you know that they, the people 
should speak English and they can, they st still talk French back. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, for example, the Euro Song Festival and everybody is nowadays sings in English, but well, French, French, sing in French. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's you. I've been doing business with French people for for a while, and in the beginning, I thought, okay, I can easily do it. I've been working with so many countries, but I quickly realized you need to work with the French to handle the French French market, also from sales and purchasing, relationship manage. They just want to talk with uh, with own, and that's that's quite kind of interesting. But yeah, also you need to be be aware of how that works. No, this is super interesting. I'm excited. Like I, I'm actually to me this actually solves kind of a problem with our agency we've always wondered like okay when do we take certain brands to europe when do we offer this service and i think the answer is clear to me that like i don't think we are ready to just you know build this service in-house i would rather pay for um someone that is native that understands the nuances the 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 what what's what's unique about the European marketplace and and just hand that to them, that sounds so much more appealing to me. And um, uh, what, what's also really interesting for you to understand is now I've been talking with brands about the importance of cross border e commerce for ten years now, and the majority of the large brands have local sales offices. And from the moment it's about e commerce, it's about cross border. But of course, especially the multinationals, you know, everybody gets their bonuses what's sold, sold locally. Resulting that the majority of really the big brands still do not have come up with a strategy how to work with e-commerce sales. So they're not doing it themselves, they're letting it, let dealers do it, etc. So also that gives a big opportunity for the brands that are saying, okay, I'm not going to wait, I'm going to invest, I'm going to establish myself because you are able to attract a market towards you simply because the big brands still are not flexible enough to, to work with them. In America, that, you know, it's much more easy. It's one country, one language. It's much more doable, but if you have to have the politics of a large company to discuss, for example, with 15 sales offices, who's going to get the Amazon sales, you see that they're always postponing the, uh, the decision, resulting that the smaller and flexible companies are actually growing into the market uh, much quicker. Interesting. Yeah, no, no, Europe is definitely something that you need to be flexible, and um, that's really uh, good advice. Um, well, Steph, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was very illuminating and actually, uh, it, it kind of, uh, checked a box of something I knew I had to learn more about. Um, okay, nice. so, uh, people can get a hold of Steph at marketplace .com, And I'll, I'll have the, uh, that his website in the show notes, the reason he caught my attention is is the number of products that Steph has uh, in the European marketplace. We're talking thousands of ASINs. So clearly, uh, his company has figured something out about scaling uh, in Europe. In Europe, which is not easy, as we just discussed, we, it is it is absolutely. Um, not it should not just be an afterthought, but something that you have to gain expertise on. So uh, thank you for being generous with your time. And uh, sure. cool. thank hope, you. 
honestly, I hope that we we have a chance to do uh, business again in the future. And if um, anyone out there uh, uh, likes something about this podcast, uh, uh, please share it with a friend and uh, be sure to subscribe. And uh, I hope to listen to you uh, or uh, sorry, I hope to catch your listening ear on next week's episode. So uh, take care and have a good one. Thanks, Colt. One, two, three. This episode has been produced by LaunchPod Media. 